Hello, welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Carly Myers, an expert at helping professionals who feel overworked, overwhelmed, or on the verge of burnout, relieve their stress so they can find more joy at work, home, and beyond. As the founder of the Stressless Company, Carly has helped hundreds of professionals across the country take action to reduce stress through coaching. She believes there's no one size fits all when it comes to stress management. Her work has most recently been featured through media outlets such as Good Day Philadelphia, Fox 29, The Philadelphia Inquirer, Philly Magazine, and Wooly Magazine. Carly will be addressing what we can do to reduce stress in our lives. Welcome to the Skill Bite Show, Carly. I'm so delighted to have you join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Excellent. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get involved with educating people on how to manage stress? Was there something in particular in your experience that caused you stress that led you to this path? Yes, absolutely. And I do want to give your audience just a bit of a trigger warning because my story is fairly intense. Um, but I actually got into this line of work because when I was around 12 years old, um, a man was murdered in my house and my mom was shot three times. And oh my heavens. Yeah. <laughs> hence wow. the trigger warning, right? But um, I actually, because of that instance, I struggled for a really long time with stress, with PTSD, with overwhelm. And um, I did not know how to manage it. I kept hearing these, this, you know, mainstream approach after mainstream approach, you know, oh, just exercise or go to yoga, meditate, go to therapy. But while some of those things were a little helpful, none of them were good enough or were doing enough for me to really get to a place of joy, to a place of contentment, to a place of peace. And so uh, now I'm here. I'm here because I believe that there is no one size fits all and we need to be able to find that thing that works for us. Because for me, I struggled with PTSD and stress and overwhelm for 10 plus years. And I, I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think that's okay. Wow. Well, what, what did you find that helped you? So I think as an individual, we are always morphing, growing, changing. And so the first thing that I found that worked for me was creativity. So I love to draw. I would start by drawing out my night terrors and things like that. But what I quickly realized is that it's not the specific activity. Um, it's this thing called creative stress reduction that really works for um, all of my clients. And creative stress reduction is really about stepping out of fight or flight and into a state of play. So any activity that can create a sense of flow or a state of play or childlike joy is something that's going to really help you manage your stress. Huh. Okay. So what are different types of creative stress reduction that you use with some of your clients? 
Well, it's funny because I'm, I usually am not the one to recommend it. So again, this is, this is no one size fits all. So what I do recommend is that we go through an exercise. So the first thing that I would do with a client who is looking for an alternative way to reduce stress is have them create a list of 100 things or more that they love doing, being, seeing, having, eating, um, and it can be anything, right? It can be eating cookie dough. It can be having a glass of wine. It can be going on a walk. It can be flying to Hawaii. I mean, it can be anything. There's no editing here. And then once we have that list, there's the second step, which is to go back through it and ask ourselves two questions. The first question is, if I did this activity every time I was stressed out, would this be healthy? And so when we ask ourselves that question of each item on our list, if the answer is no, it wouldn't be healthy, then we cross that off because what we don't want is unhealthy coping mechanisms. And then the second question is, what, it, what can I realistically implement based on my financial circumstances or my time constraints or just where I'm at in my life right now? And so for many of us, perhaps the trip to a foreign country or to an exotic, uh, you know, uh, like a place like Hawaii may not necessarily be the thing that we can do to reduce our stress, but perhaps something smaller is more accessible. That's going to bring us joy and reduce our stress levels. And then from there we have, you know, we should have still a decent amount of things on our list and we start exploring, we start trying and ta and taking an experimental approach. What works, what doesn't, what makes us, you know, what works when we're feeling the sad side of stress, what works when we're feeling the angry side of stress and just, really paying attention to what works when we're feeling a certain way and what works across the board. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's back up just a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Let's go back to stress. What, how do you actually define stress? How do we recognize when we are feeling stressed? Mm, yeah, I think that's really important for us to all be on the same page. So there are probably hundreds of definitions of stress out there, but my two favorite definitions are as follows. So the first one is physical, mental, or emotional strain or tension. So we feel maybe our, our wheels are, are going a million miles a minute in our minds. Maybe we're feeling that tension in our shoulders, uh, that feeling in our gut, that can be stress. Um, but my personal favorite definition and my second definition for stress is when a person perceives that the demands exceed their personal, social, or financial resources. So we, when we see a situation or we're in, we're, when we're in a situation, we feel as if we can't handle it. We don't have the resources to rise to the occasion. Uh, I, I can definitely appreciate that. Was it personal, financial, and what was the third one? Um, social. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and, and that can really be across your resources across the board. So you may have your social resources, your financial resources, um, your skill, your skill set. You know, a lot of us, especially at work, we feel like, or with a new role, we feel like we don't have the toolkit, the skills, the knowledge to rise to the occasion. Whatever resources we feel like we're lacking is really whenever we feel the stress, but that's when stress really comes up for us. Now, I know you said that uh, there's not a one-size-fits-all, but what do you see as, say, the most common forms of stress? Mm. 
Well, according to the American Psychological Association, American Institute of Stress, there are um, there are about seven top causes of stress in the United States. Uh, so we start with job pressure is number one across the board, um, which is no shocker. Uh, then we go into money. Um, again, not shocking. A lot of us are, are worried about money. Um, health. And then we go into things like relationships. We go into things like media overload. Um, nutrition is, believe it or not, a big uh, stressor as well. Huh. I would think nutrition or bad nutrition might cause stress. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. Whenever I have, I teach one of like a, a module to my clients or a specific content to my clients. One of the first things that I teach is know how food affects your emotions, right? Because every, every type of food has a different emotional response um, in your body. So for instance, we hear all the time that carbohydrates, like people are like, I can't put them down. I can't, like, I, I'm addicted to them. I need them. Well, it's actually because we're likely feeling stress because the physiological response in the body when we eat carbohydrates is calming. Same with salmon. If we eat, the, if we eat salmon, it creates a calming effect. But then we have the reverse side of things, which is caffeine. Right? So most of us, when we're, when we're not eating caf drinking caffeine or eating caffeine, we experience a stress trigger, whether external or internal. And then we start feeling those physical symptoms or emotional symptoms of stress. When we drink or eat caffeine, we don't even need a trigger in order to start feeling stressed. It becomes this kind of um, uh, illogical, irrational your body is just going into stress mode. It's hyping up itself up for fight or flight to do what it's got to do to survive, even though there's nothing to fight. What are some of the ways that stress affects us? Oh my goodness. Uh, so this could be a laundry list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we, we could start with the emotional side, right? Um, the emotional side are things like irritability, um, anxiety, depression, lack of motivation. Um, and then we can go to the physical side of things, which I think most of us are most familiar with, which would be things like insomnia, not you know, get going to bed at night and then the to-do list start going in your head and you can't stop it and you're tired, but you can't sleep. Um, but then we hear things like um, that are getting increasingly common, heart attacks, strokes, high blood pressure, um, and then things like digestive issues we're hearing all, you know, over and over again these days about leaky gut, um, digestive issues. There are, believe it or not, there's probably hundreds of side effects of, of having uncontrolled stress in the body for sure. One of the things that I like to mention about stress though, is that there are actually different kinds of stress. So so there, there are actually about five different kinds of stress, but I'd like to break it down into two to simplify it. Mm -hmm. So the, fir the first type of stress is, is the bad stress, right? That's the stuff that causes the heart attacks, the strokes, um, issues with digestion, get, you're getting sick easier, right? And then we have this thing called eustress. And eustress is, it's been nicknamed the good stress. You comes from euphoria, right? It's the good stuff. 
And typically youth stress has been associated with things like getting married, graduating, having kids, you know, all the good stuff. But, you know, this is all good, but it's also incredibly, incredibly stressful. And so I think that the key here is to try to get that, that bad stress into the use stress category. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, distress, when we're in that state of chronic distress, what happens is in our bodies is that our blood vessels literally constrict. So what happens is, is our blood is having trouble moving through our bodies, our oxygen's having trouble getting to our brains, we're not able to focus, and then the anxiety and the stress take over. We're not able to, to rise to the occasion. But when we actually shift the way we view something, let's say we experience a stress trigger, um, let's say we lose our job, and that could easily be set, viewed as a bad stressor. Now, if we view that loss of job, getting laid off, as an opportunity for career growth, an opportunity for, to make more money, an opportunity to be closer to our family, an opportunity for insert thing you want to do here or feel here, then what happens is we view it as use stress. Our blood vessels actually expand. Our blood is able to flow through our bodies easier. We're able to focus more clearly. We're able to rise to the occasion because we aren't physically physiologically fighting ourselves to get the work done, whatever it is that we need to do. Right. Well, that certainly is something that a lot of people go through. I mean, a lot of people are being laid off. Some view it as uh, a good thing, but I would say probably most people don't because when you get laid off, you lose your uh, source of income. Yeah. And you know, it, it's funny. We think about getting laid off and it being, um, it's really scary, especially if we're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, I've had the benefit or the honor of speaking in quite a few transition rooms, career transition rooms. And, you know, one of the things that is actually most scary is losing our sense of self, losing our identity. Um, you know, having someone else tell us that we aren't worthy or that we can't do it or we're not good enough. Um, and so when we combine, you know, financial worries with the, the worries of getting a new job with the loss of an identity, it can be almost a triple whammy. And that's why it's incredibly important to manage those inner voices that help, that can cause the stress spiral so that we aren't getting in that place where we're creating those physiological symptoms, where we're creating the strain that's leading to things like high blood pressure, heart attack, strokes. So yeah, it's very easy. I mean, it's the it's human. It's only human nature to go into that spiral. Like we lose our job and we're like, oh my goodness, how am I going to pay the bills? What is my husband going to think or wife going to think? What how what am I going to do? And we just spiral into the questions. And what I would say, like that's that's totally normal. But next time we experience that spiral, what I would challenge your listeners to do is to start answering those questions, right? So, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to search for a new job. How am I going to make my bills? Well, there's always Lyft. There's always Uber. There's always caviar or, or delivering food. There's always those, those small minimum wage jobs, right? Um, there are always options. And so when we can start answering those questions and feel start to feel more in control of our lives and our resources, that's when we really shift from distress and all of those negative symptoms into eustress. 
Yeah, I think when you are feeling so stressed, it's, it's hard to see what you can do. And yet, if you can make the shift to saying, well, let me think about that. What can I do? Well, worse comes to worse, I can bag groceries or I can drive an Uber or whatever. And that's, that's certainly doable. Although, of course, if you're doing that, then you're not able to search as well for a new job or whatever it is. Um, but uh, it's enough of a mind shift that it can sort of open you up to examining what opportunities you do have. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's funny too, just the perspective that we can take on that. One of the things that I have um, folks who are going through a really difficult time or they're afraid of going through a difficult time in their lives do is really go and explore what their worst case scenario is. Like worse comes to worse, you lose your job, you lose your husband, you lose this, everything falls apart. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? And maybe the worst that can happen is that you move back home with your parents. Um, you, may, you may feel like you're too old for that at this point, right? But you move back in and you go, you go bag groceries. And when we start to figure out, oh, that's it, that's the worst. It, we're not talking death here. We're not talking, you know, life or death or something more extreme then it that it's like oh well i'll pick myself back up i'll be able to save some money on my paychecks i'll be able to job search i'll be able to job search with a clear mind right not be overwhelmed because everyone knows you know when we get in a state of overwhelm or stress we are not thinking clearly we're not able to concentrate we're not able to focus we're not able to show up in a job interview with confidence because we are so overwhelmed and so worst case scenario I'll have financial peace of mind. I'll have a sense of, you know, minute job security while I'm in transition. And I think that shift is the difference between health and illness, but also the difference between those who succeed and those who fall short of success. Are there, are there steps that you can recommend so that people can make that transition maybe faster, easier, um, you know, not, not be stuck for quite so long? Yeah. And you know, that, that is exactly where creative stress reduction comes in, right? Because when we experience something really stressful, whether it's a job loss, whether it's uh, um, something happening and we lose a client in our business, whether we, uh, something happens in our personal life, when we get into fight or flight, it's, it can almost be automatic, right? We're, we're in survival mode. The first thing that I say is we got to get you out of fight or flight. We need to get you into rest and digest so that you can think clearly. And so that is the, and that is the foundation of what I teach, which is to say, okay, let's figure out what you can do that brings you into a state of play, into a state of rest and digest so that we can start looking at whatever circumstance we're going through. Clearly, we can look at it strategically and also look at it from a place of what's going to bring me joy in the future, what's going to make me happiest, not what's going to put a Band-Aid on it right now. So I would definitely say writing that list would be the first thing that you want to do. And even if you're not, you know, for your listeners, if you're not in a place of complete overwhelm where you're having a, you know, a blow up or a breakdown right now, 
that would be even better if you have this list and you vetted it before you have this instance of stress or this, this big trigger happen to you. But even if you're experiencing that overwhelm right now, the first thing that I would do is write that list, vet the list and start exploring. And if you need that extra push, um, I also recommend Mel Robbins five second rule and you can um, do your Googling on that. But what that does is what you, what it is, is that you count backwards from five and then you launch yourself physically into action. And so when that, when you do that, what happens is, is we cut off all of the excuses. We cut off all of the insecurities, right? So if we think to ourselves, oh, I should really go on a run or I should really go on a walk to reduce my stress. Our typical inner voice is going to say, yeah, but you should do the laundry. Yeah, but you should be applying for jobs. Yeah, you should be marketing yourself in your business. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah, all those yeah, buts. And when we use the five second rule, what happens is we cut off all those yeah, buts and we're able to physically launch ourselves into action, which will quickly get us into a state of rest and digest, into a state of thinking more more strategically, more clearly, so that we can move out of that faster. Yeah, I've heard that exercise is a great thing to do, whether it's as simple as going outside and taking a walk or, um, or a jog or going to the gym or doing weights or whatever. Uh, that does seem to be pretty helpful for a lot of people. Right. Absolutely. But what, here's what I'll say too. Now that can be your creative stress reduction. Now for everyone who's listening, who's like, that is not me. I am not an exercise person. That's okay. Right. There's no one size fits all, but, um, it, they definitely can exercise can definitely be one item on your list. That's really going to support you. Now, the next thing that I would like to say is that that's the thing that's going to get you out of fight or flight and into rest and digest. But then the next piece here is that we need to really think about our stress triggers and acknowledge them and um, be aware of them so we can plan for them not to become chronic. So for instance, one of the most chronic stressors in the United States is job pressure and money, right? So Every day we wake up and we worry about money. Every day, every evening we come home and we worry about the bills. Uh, you know, every time we go out to dinner, we worry about that extra, you know, plate that somebody ordered in the group. And are we going to split that? Um, we, if we become, once we get out of fight or flight and into that strategic focused mindset, we need to really take a very close look at what continually is triggering us. What is continually causing the stress and worry? so that we can create an action plan to step out of it. So if it means, you know, if it's money, if it means cutting back expenses, if it means moving into a smaller home, if it means taking on that second job, what is it that needs to be done so that every morning when you wake up, every evening when you come home from work, every time you go out to eat, you're not worrying about money because it's taking up and create taking up a lot of headspace and creating a lot more stress. So that second thing of just being really aware and you can do this by journaling, you can be do this by tracking writing down every time a worry comes up in in your mind, but getting really clear about what that trigger is and get help get help figuring out how to step out of it. If you don't know anything about money, pick up a financial help book, pick, pick up, you know, pick up um Go to your local library, check out a book, go to events on financial education, take those action steps so that you can really address that stressor from the root so it doesn't become chronic, so it doesn't start taking over your life. And I suppose in addition to the self-help, there's always 
coaches like yourself. Because mm-hmm. when you're in a stress situation, even if you have the presence of mind to journal and recognize the things that are causing stress, it's not so easy to figure out what to do about them. Exactly. And that's really the next, the next thing. Once you know what is stressing you out, what you know, once you know what your triggers are, if you personally just cannot come up with a solution to step out of it, that's totally normal and that's totally okay. But the next step is to ask for help, whether it's from a book, whether it's Googling online, whether it's hiring a coach, whether it's hiring a therapist, whether it's hiring an accountant, you know, whoever, you know, whatever the issue is and whoever the expert is, don't be afraid to ask for that help because that at the end of the day is going to not only help you stress less, but it's going to help you step out of that quicker and be more productive in your career, in your business, et cetera, and your personal life. Yeah. So maybe go over some of the different methods that you use to help your clients cope with stress so that if one thing doesn't work for us, maybe there's other things that you can mention that might work better. Yeah. So outside, I, I would say 100% try that exercise the, the, for the creative stress reduction, because that's going to give you um, at least tens of options to start managing stress. But in addition to that, I, I do want to mention that, you know, one of the most common um like ways we inflame our stress is our inner self-talk, right? So um, there's this great formula that um, I read in a book by Kristen Neff. She's an expert on self-compassion. And she uses this formula that, that reads as follows. Suffering equals pain times resistance. Suffering equals pain times resistance. And so what happens is, is we might experience that trigger, that thing that stresses us out. And then our inner critic goes off. Oh, of course you're not, of course you didn't do that. You're so stupid or you're, you're not financially literate or you, are you kidding? You're not a real business owner. However, whatever mean things your inner voice says, it goes off and it doesn't stop. And so what we're doing is we experience that, that pain, right? That trigger is the pain and that inner voice is the resistance. We're resisting it and we're creating more suffering. So if we can just get really clear on what that, on how to control or reel that inner voice in, that's going to be huge. And one of the ways to do that is to really practice self-compassion is to, you know, that inner voice is or that there's something about your inner child. I know that we hear that a lot, that that thing inside of us is hurting. And when we yell at a child, right? Let's say a child comes home and gets a bad grade on their test. And the, the parent yells, you're so stupid. You could, are you kidding? You'll never get A's. Who are you kidding? You know, you're a fraud. What does that kid do? What does that child do? they break down even further. They feel more pain. They feel shame and they lose motivation. That's what that inner voice is doing to us. We're doing to ourselves with our inner voice. Now that same child comes home with a bad grade on a test and the parent says, well, you know, you tried your best right now, but perhaps let's study some more next time. And I know that hard work is going to really pay off for you. One, the, the child feels heard the child feels held, 
the space was held for the pain. And also they know what they need to do in the future to change the results. And so oftentimes our inner critic is yelling at us, is demotivating us, is creating more pain. But if we can just be more compassionate with the pain that we're feeling, that can really change the growth of our stress. So one of my favorite mantras developed by Kristen Neff and PhD is it's a three part mantra. The first part of the mantra is really about acknowledging that you're not alone. Right. So when those inner voices, when that pain comes up, when those inner voices come up, you can say, I'm not the only one. Right. I know that so many other people have experienced sadness or I know so many other people have experienced financial difficulties or, you know, whatever it is going through, acknowledging that you're not alone. And then the second piece is to really step into you know, this, you know, acknowledging you're not alone. That's the first piece, but then going into the third, I'm going to skip over the second piece just for a minute. The third piece is about giving yourself, giving yourself the permission to, to give yourself compassion, right? So the mantra may be, I'm experiencing a lot of pain right now. So that's actually the first piece. The first piece is acknowledging the pain that you're feeling. I'm experiencing a lot of pain right now. The second piece is acknowledging we're not alone, right? So everybody feels this way sometimes. And then the third piece is may I give myself self-compassion. So whether that's saying inner voice, you've got no room here, that, that mean inner voice, you're in the backseat, I'm driving. Whether it's you know, self-soothing with, you know, hugging yourself or um, in implementing one of your creative stress reduction activities, um, you know, calling a friend, any, anything really is possible here in terms of self-soothing. That self-compassion goes a long way to prevent suffering and to prevent, you know, one moment of pain from growing into something that's taking over an entire day, an entire week, an entire month. Yeah, I guess that that's really the key is knowing what to do <coughs> to give yourself that self-compassion. Absolutely. And you know, one of the other things that I would recommend in terms of giving self-compassion is checking out, you know, five love, I think it's the five love languages com where you can typically this is used in a romantic relationship context but go online and take that quiz and get a really good idea of what your love languages are you know I know for me my top two love languages are physical touch and quality time um, and that can be in my relationships with other but it's also in my relationship with myself so when I'm feeling stressed one of the first things that I do is I, you know, I'll hug myself or even better, you know, we hear the, all, all the time these days about weighted blankets. We hear about, um, I personally love my heated blanket, especially in the winter. That's a small way in which I can give myself compassion um, for physical touch. And then, you know, quality time. Really for me, taking some time to hear out what, what my internal dialogue wants to say. So maybe I'll do some journaling Maybe I will spend some time alone um, just spending time with myself, reading a book, um, whatever that quality time with myself looks like. But that can be a really um, 
knowing what your love languages are may actually give you a better idea as well as to what to do to give yourself to give yourself compassion. And by the way, um, I'm going to see if I can list all of the five. So we have physical touch, quality time. We have words of affirmation, um, gifts, and then there's one more um, acts of service, right? So though, you know, whether any of those things you could be doing for yourself to give yourself that compassion to really prevent the growth, growth of stress in the moment. And you said the, the website you can go to for that quiz is the five love languages.com. I believe so. The number five love languages.com or.org. You'll have to do your Googling on that one. <laughs> okay. Very good. Well, what, um, is there anything else that you want to share that can help people who are encountering a stressful situation? I mean, this is January. We've just been through the holidays. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are feeling a financial pinch from having to pay the credit card bills that, <laughs> you know, had all the gifts and donations and stuff from December. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that again, we go back to that and that's a great example because we know what the trigger is. And so if we can use our, go back to our list, you figure out our creative stress reduction, step out of fight or flight, um, get the help that we need to get our finances in order. You know, that's really great. You know, there, there are also other kind of general tips that you can, that are really good in moments of, of intense moments of stress. So, um, going back to things like hugging yourself, things like gently caressing your arm. Um, I'm, I'm sure um, a lot of us have heard of power posing, which, you know, basically moving, expanding your body in such a way and holding it there for a, a decent amount of time, like 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Um, that's a really great way to, to trick your mind as well. Cause it's, it's really, when we do that, what happens is, is our tricks our mind into believing that like into creating confidence. It's, it's releasing endorphins. It's doing that. Um, really just shifting the way our mind is thinking because when we are open, it means that there's no threat, right? So biohacking is a really good way in the moment to re release stress, you know, putting your hands on your hips, like your superwoman, um, and even small, you know, something smaller, like, smiling. Um, right. I believe there's been studies of, of folks who it's been, I actually, be, I believe it's, it's been scientifically proven at this point that just smiling for a certain period of time will make you more confident, less stressed. And so if you are feeling those, you know, those thoughts are coming up and you're in such a state of overwhelm that you don't know what to do in terms of the thought process, you can start just shifting the way you hold your body so that that shifts your mind. We used to think that it was the mind creates everything in terms of our body, but it actually is a reciprocal relationship. So if we expand our body into a power pose, it can actually start to affect the way that we think. If we smile again, it, it can affect the way that we think. So that's a really good tool as well. Yeah, I had, I uh, was listening to an audiobook that was talking about an interesting experiment that was done specifically related to smiling. Yeah. Uh, it, the experimenter came up with this experiment that involved the uh, 
I guess it's two, two groups, maybe it was three, I don't remember what, but one group took a pencil and put it between their teeth where it would not touch their lips. Mm. And another group took a pencil and put it in their lips, not touching their teeth. Well, if it's in your teeth, it requires you to have the same muscles active as if you were smiling. Yeah. And if you have it between your lips, then it's the same muscles as if you were frowning. Yeah. And the two groups were uh, tested on different things. And all the, the statistics were significantly higher in the group that had the pencil between their teeth for positive responses and likewise negative responses on the ones that had it between their lips. Um, whereas when the, when the two groups did not have the pencil and they were tested, they were pretty similar in their positive and negative responses, but it jumped up to positive in the first group and to negative in the, in the second to yeah. show the, the physiological response for just having those muscles activated. Absolutely. That's a great example. And it's so that goes to show, right? It's just the muscle, it's those muscles. And you know, for the, for those of your listeners too at home who, um, you know, one of, one of the most common unhealthy coping mechanisms in terms of stress is eating, overeating. And there's actually, you know, in addition to the food, the different types of food creating a certain type of stress response, right? We talked about, or emotional response, we talked about carbohydrates creating a sense of calm. Actually, when we move our jaw, when we chew, it's been uh, another chemical is actually released into our bodies that creates, again, that sense of safety, that sense of calm. So it is, it is one of those things that if we want to create a sense of calm. We can also chew a piece of gum, you know, do there, there are ways to biohack in healthy ways, right? Things that aren't eating, you know, a whole pack of Oreos in one setting, but um, that can really change the way that our minds think. That's, that's, I love that study. I only heard about it with um, smiling in general, but even with the muscles, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Something to do with the activation of the muscles causes other things to happen in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the muscles, obviously. I suppose if you had something cut off between the muscles and the brain, you wouldn't get that response. But um, what it, what it was, I don't, I don't even know if he went into on the, in the book, but um, it was, it was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that it was like, it at least the readings that I've done, done in terms of those studies, there's a chemical or there's a hormone that gets released. Um, when that with at least with the chewing action when that chewing is happening mm -hmm. um so it can be just that like when that muscle constricts or expands it, it releases that chemical or that hormone that can really change the way we view we we feel which is right. incredible right so we we can come from different approaches right we can come from okay i'm gonna give myself compassion i'm gonna address that inner voice or you know what i'm feeling I'm feeling like that is an impossible step right now. Let me just go to power posing. Let me go to putting a pencil between my teeth. Let me go to chewing a piece of gum to try to get those hormones or even going on a walk to get those endorphins going and try to do it from the other side of the spectrum. So we can choose to change the way our body is to change our mind, or we can address the mind head on to address the way that 
we feel in our, in our minds, but also the way our body is feeling as well. You know, one of the other things that reminds me, one of the other things that I recommend is that, you know, when, when it comes to stress, one of the telltale signs of stress is that we get like energy stuck in our bodies, right? So we talked at the beginning about stress being like physical, emotional strain, physical or emotional strain or tension, right? Mm -hmm. So we might feel something, we might feel like something might happen and we, um, we don't say anything and we don't talk about it and we keep it to ourselves. And what happens is, and we, and we don't move our body. What happens is, is that stressed energy stores itself in our muscles and our bodies. And so one of the other things that I recommend is, you know, on, if we're, if we're balling on a budget, right. If we, we want to do something at home, we can do some light stretching. We can put, put on some YouTube and do some yoga, like restorative yoga to get that tension and that stressed energy out of our bodies. But we can also go and allow ourselves a periodic massage because that, that energy does it, you know, it is being stored in the body and we do need to move it out as well. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I know I feel when I feel stressed, I almost always feel the muscles in my left shoulder neck area. And um, when I feel that it's like, oh, I need to take a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, another great exercise um, that we can do at home is pretty unconventional, um, is to just to, to the, the point of the exercise is to figure out how stress shows up in your body. So a lot of us these days have gotten to the point where we suppress our emotions. We don't know what we're feeling when we're feeling it. Um, we just automatically go to our unhealthy coping mechanisms. So one exercise that I really love to help us just get the awareness in our bodies at the very least is to go in front of a mirror look ourselves directly in the eyes and say something not so kind about ourselves to ourselves. So maybe it's about a top stress trigger. Let's say I'm stressed out about money. I might go to a mirror, look myself directly in the eyes and say, who are you kidding? You have no idea what you're doing with money. Now, the point of this exercise is to notice the reaction in your body when you say something like that. The point of this exercise is not to indulge in the stress spiral. So when I say that, who are you kidding? You have no idea what you're doing with money. I'm going to notice what shows up in my body. So for me, when I experience, when I say one of my top stressors, when I say something not too kind to myself doing this exercise, I feel almost a welling in the behind my eyes, right? As if I could cry, but I'm not. I feel a clenching in my throat almost where you would put a trach, right? Um, And then I feel an uneasiness in my stomach. So I know by doing that exercise, even if I don't emotionally feel overwhelmed, if I'm just plowing through my tasks, I'm going through my day, if I feel something behind my eyes, if I feel a clenching in my throat, or if I feel something uneasy in my stomach, I know that I'm experiencing stress and I need to take a minute and really address it. I need to either do my creative stress reduction. I need to, you know, release some physical tension in my body. I need to really take action, take a step back so that the stress doesn't become chronic. I need to figure out what's really going on. And, you know, the other, the other side of the coin here too, is that most of us, you know, if we're, we're suppressing our negative emotions, 
we're also suppressing the good ones. And so what I would recommend, it's almost a palate cleanser as well, is to do that same exercise with something great, like an equal and opposite. So let's say my top stress trigger is finances again. I might say, I'm rich. I have more than enough money to make it through. And I am incredible at managing money. I'm going to notice how that makes me feel. Well, for me, when I feel good, good emotions, my shoulders go back. My, um, my gut is more expanded. It's, it's more exposed. And so I know that when my body is more open, naturally more open, we're not talking about power posing here. When it's naturally more open, I'm also experiencing good feelings. And I want to take a minute to acknowledge those as well. Right. And to maybe get into that pose when um, you're not feeling so good because that'll help you feel better. Exactly. And that's, yeah, that's your personal version of a power pose. So if let's say you're like me and you feel the clenching in your throat and you feel the thing in your gut and you feel the stuff in your eyes, well, the first thing you might want to do is say, oh, okay, I need to get into my personal power pose. I need my shoulders to go back. I need my gut to be exposed and expanded because that's what power and joy feels like to me. So let's trick my mind, right? Into feeling that. Mm -hmm. I love that. (laughs) Okay. Well, Carly, thank you so much for all of the tips that you've given us today. Uh, I understand that in addition to all these great tips, you also have a complimentary session that you're going to be offering. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So um, what I have is a complimentary stress less clarity session for your listeners. Um, This is a 30 minute phone call one-on-one with me where we really get to the root of what's causing your stress. We create an action plan for you to step out of it. And then we see we, we really make sure that you're on the path to success in terms of stress. So in order for you to grab that, you can go to stresslessco.com apply. This is an opportunity that you have to apply for, um, but just make sure to mention this show in the notes so that we can make sure your application goes to the very, very top. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention as well was that we are doing a complimentary free online training on January 29th. And so this is for everybody. It's called How to Break Free from Busy and Stress Less. It's happening, again, it's happening January 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'll make sure to share the link um, with you all. And I, I hope the show notes, does that work? Yes, that sounds great. Yeah. Perfect. It's 1 p.m. on the 29th. 1 p.m. January 29th, and you can just click that link to register and grab your spot. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Carly. I really appreciate your being here with us today, sharing your wisdom and your time. I I know I'm going to use some of your techniques to have a less stressed life myself. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. 